Welcome to the CSIS Podcast. I'm Colm Quinn. So the biggest news this week has to be the departure of Michael Flynn as National Security Advisor. He resigned this week after it emerged that he had discussed the lifting of sanctions uh, with the Russian ambassador during the transition period and had misled his colleagues in the White House about the nature of the call. And what we usually try and do in this podcast is take you behind the headlines. But with this story, it's so new that we really only have the headlines and some great reporting to go off of. So until there's something more to add in terms of analysis, I think it's a story we will be coming back to. So this week, we're going to talk about something I've been wanting to cover for a while on this show, uh, which is Mexico. It's America's third largest trading partner. Uh, but partner and partnership isn't exactly how you describe the relationship right now. Since day one of Donald Trump's campaign and the early days of his presidency, relations have been at a real low point. An example of that being Enrique Peña Nieto cancelling his planned visit to the White House uh, over a dispute over the US-Mexico border and the wall. And so since relations have reached this point, we hear from Kim Breyer, the director of our U.S.-Mexico Futures Initiative and the Deputy Director of our Americas program on how to start mending the U.S.-Mexico relationship. First, we need to start with the fundamentals on, on what the Trump agenda is. And when you look at what the, the administration's policies are, they're not revolutionary. There's nothing, there's nothing revolutionary about them to improve border security, reform the immigration system, and make trade work better is not, none of these things are necessarily a cataclysm in, in the bilateral relationship. There's, there are the ways to do these things well, and I don't think the history is already, is already written on this. Um, but I do think what's needed now is a fundamental shift in, in the approach, in, in the tone and the form and, and how we, we deal uh, with our neighbor to the south. Um, what we're doing up to this point, I think, is we're, we're putting ourselves on a collision course where we may not be able to accomplish the very goals that, that have been stated by the administration. But that said, it's not too late. It's not too late to change the direction, and it's not too late to change the approach. Uh, I think it's hard to, at this point, overstate uh, the damage. I think there's been some fairly serious damage in the, in the early weeks of the administration. Even this past weekend, there were protests all across Mexico in Mexico City uh, and outside of Mexico City where Mexicans were, were protesting uh, the tone and the approach of the Trump administration. This is something we haven't seen in many, many years in Mexico. Uh, there are also calls in Mexico for boycotts of U.S. products. And I think you know we need to be we need to be mindful that there is a nationalist backlash that that is forming in Mexico, and the moment uh, to implement an ambitious agenda is here. But I think the approach has to be revised so that we can actually accomplish what the Trump administration wants to do. Um, I can give you one kind of specific example. I think where um, some of the approach so far has had unintended consequences and. If you look at the Trump administration's approach to trade, for example, they've prioritized uh, promotion of U.S. exports and the jobs that go, that go with it. And this is one of the arguments that you hear all the time when they talk about renegotiating our trade relationship uh, with Mexico and to some extent with Canada. 
Oddly enough, though, the current approach has actually begun to undermine that goal, as we've seen uh, during the campaign and in the early weeks of our new administration. The Mexican peso has been under major pressure, has been very volatile, and is actually devalued against the U.S. dollar. And the end result of this is that it makes U.S. exports more expensive and makes Mexican imports less expensive. So we, we may actually be widening the trade deficit with Mexico by the approach that we're pursuing right now, which is exactly the opposite of, of what the the policy goal is. It's an unintended consequence, I think, of, of the approach that we're taking um, so far. Yeah, I, I think it can get clouded a little bit in terms of what Mexico and the U.S. are are already working on and already cooperating on. Because you talked just a little bit about what, what those programs are and what, what issues, um, I guess, up to this point, there has been good cooperation on. I think there's been, I mean, this is one of the little understood things in the Mexico relationship. This is one of the broadest and deepest relationships that the United States has in the world. I don't think there's any relationship quite like it, frankly. There's not an issue that we are not working with Mexico on. And uh, something that I, they always like to point out to people is that when you're in the policy world and you call a policy meeting on Mexico, every cabinet agency in the U.S. government shows up to the meeting because everyone has some issue that they're working on with the Mexican government. And this ranges from the very obvious things on the trade and commercial relationship, the border, immigration, security, counter-drugs, counter-terrorism, but then all kinds of other issues on environmental uh, water quality. The Obama administration had a major initiative on butterflies. We have education initiatives. We have the whole, the full range, uh, health issues, if there are outbreaks or health issues that obviously don't obey uh, a line uh, on the continent between, you know, the border between the U.S. and Mexico. So every possible issue you can think of is something that we work on with Mexico on a regular basis. So, I mean, that, that kind of outlines how, how important it is to get to get things back on track. But let's talk a little bit about, say, the, the domestic situation in Mexico. Um, we did talk about the protests that were happening over the weekend and from what I was seeing is that, yes, there was an anti-American sentiment, but there's also kind of an, an anti-establishment um, sentiment in Mexico itself. So how, how, um, how is that bubbling up and, and what kind of pressure is, say, President Enrique Peña Nieto from, from a domestic angle? I think, you know, I think it's a, it's a tough moment for the government of Mexico, obviously, and Peña Nieto is under tremendous internal pressure to take a tougher line with the United States. And they have obviously showed up to this point remarkable restraint. And I think that they're acting, you know, broadly in the interests of, of Mexico to maintain a healthy and open dialogue with the United States. But the, the pressure is real. The pressure is there from all sides of the political spectrum in, in Mexico. The left and the right are united, pushing on the government to take uh, a tougher line with uh, with the United States. Um, there are even those who are calling for uh, a dramatic curtailing of the cooperation that I just mentioned on immigration, on third country uh, immigrants from Central America, on security cooperation where Mexican resources and Mexican lives are at risk. There are many sectors in Mexico calling for that. And I think um, we need to be mindful of, of that domestic uh, political uh, imperative for Peña Nieto. And, there's a lot of attention being focused on the 2018 elections that are coming up in Mexico where they will elect a new president, a new Congress, and I believe it's 12 governors. Uh, I think there's an even more critical and, and earlier election in Mexico, which is this summer in the state of the state of Mexico gubernatorial election, which will be a critical test for President Peña Nieto and his and his party. It's a it's a state that uh, the PRI has never lost. And I think the window for having that positive dialogue, that positive way forward of resolving these challenges in the bilateral relationship, I think that window is narrowing. 
And I think we need to be mindful that uh, there is there's a timeline internal to Mexico, which may not be exactly the same as the U.S. policy timeline for trying to address some of these issues in a, in a positive way. And I mean, it doesn't seem like Mexico has has the leverage in this either. I think I think it's a tough line. I think it's a very tough line to walk because there there's Mexican national interests and then there's the political interests that you know that are more particular, more near term to each of the of the various political actors. But I do think, you know, it's very difficult in, a, in the current system uh, for the Mexicans to have the political space they need to have the constructive dialogue. And I think on the U.S. side, there are things we can do to kind of extend an olive branch and give them that space so that we can have a positive conversation about all of the different aspects of, of the bilateral relationship. And I think one of the things that we also need to be mindful of from a U.S. policy standpoint is that a lot of these issues are interrelated. Um, even though it looks like trade and security are two separate issues that could be addressed as two different stovepipes, the reality is that if we go, if we're very, very tough on trade, we have to then go back to the very same government to talk about security issues. And so we have to be mindful that we have to handle the, 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 the relationship in a, in a more comprehensive way that has a vision of what the whole relationship is and where that needs to go. I want to now turn to something that... Um highly contentious and has had a lot of um, talk from the campaign uh, and now, which is the idea of of the wall. Um, and maybe to give it a broader description, the U.S. border and how the U.S. and Mexico act along it. Considering that this is a policy pledge and considering this is something that President Trump is going to want to deliver on, what can be done in that area, say the just on, on border issues, I guess, in order to improve things. I mean, improve trade, improve um, cooperation, uh, security um, beyond, say, a physical barrier. I think, I think that's exactly the right way to phrase the question, because I think that's one of the things that we need to uh, inject into the dialogue right now, which is that the border has two essential functions. The first is that it's a security perimeter, but the second function is that it has to be efficient enough to empower U.S. companies and their workers to to export and to import what we what we don't produce uh, competitively in the United States. So it has to be at the same time a, a security barrier and a facilitator of trade. And for me, that is the way out of this conversation: is to broaden the dialogue to not just be about one particular element of security, but to to be about the broader border relationship that we have that has multiple goals and multiple objectives, both of which are very squarely in the interests of the United States and in particular U.S. workers. So I think, you know, that is that is one way out is to broaden the conversation. Um, and I think we also need to recognize as part of that conversation where we already are in terms of cooperation with Mexico. There are a lot of programs already in place that recognize something that I think is very fundamental, which is the border is the last line of defense, not the first line of defense. There are many programs that are backed out away from the borders on the preclearance of goods and travelers information sharing between law enforcement, all of that happens away from the border to take the pressure off of it. The border really is the last line. And part of our strategy needs to focus on all of those things that are away from the border as well as part of a, a broader approach. And to, to broaden it out to say North America, Justin Trudeau met with President Trump this week. How can the three countries of, of North America work closer together? What should they be kind of focusing on? NAFTA as something that comes up in this conversation is is NAFTA now kind of off the table. I think I think it's a hard question. I think we're at a we're at an inflection point 
And I think we're at a point where the U.S. administration needs to take a decision about not so much the detail of the relationship, but the tone and the approach of the relationship. Are these going to be cooperative relationships with with our partners and friends uh, to the north and south, or is this going to be a more confrontational approach? And I think each of those fundamental decisions would have a policy outcome. If, if we approach it in a cooperative way, in a way where we understand that it's possible to have win-wins, uh, I think there's a lot that can be done. I think there's, there's plenty of space to move and move in a way that works for both countries and in the interests of both of the populations, because after all, this is, this is what it's about. And I think ultimately, the idea is to make North America work better for, uh, for the people who live here. And th that means for people, for workers, for exporters, for, for people who are involved in, in the global economy, and for those who are not, and for those people that we need to bring in so that they can see the benefits of the policies in, in North America. But fundamentally, I think it's an, it's an issue of what sort of approach are we going to take. And if the approach, I hope the decision will be made, the approach will be, will be cooperative, and that under that framework, I think there, there's much that, that can be done. And that was Kim Breyer bringing us to the end of this week's show. We'll be back with more next week. And so until then, uh, please do get in touch if you have any feedback on the show. See uh, Quinn at CSIS.org or find me on Twitter. So until next week, thanks for listening.